Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Sappho Podcast. Broadcasting today, unfortunately not from the Jack Dempsey studio. My studio apartment here in New York City. That joke just never gets old. There's going to be no long monologue tonight. No preview of upcoming guests. Hence, Chris Mullen. Let's get right to it. When you have a legend like tonight on, you get right to this action. Back when he was, back when he had his column, Soup Du Jour, in the New York Post, he was appointment reading. As a basketball fan, you never missed his column. An absolute icon in the field. I'm absolutely thrilled to have him on. The legend, Peter Vesey. <clears throat> Perfect. Okay. Welcome to the show, the legend, Peter Vesey. What's going on, my friend? How'd you know I was here? Well, Peter, I gave nobody you a long. Said, uh, nobody, even, nobody even said hello. Uh, you missed my great uh, intro to you. I said uh, back when you had your column, you were appointment reading. You're an icon in the field, and how thrilled I am to have you on. That's a nice little intro. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I like it. Okay, from like Archbishop Malloy. Yeah, listen, Peter Vesey, from Archbishop Malloy to one of the most important basketball voices of all time. You had one hell of a ride. Today. <laughs> I had one hell of a what? You, you one hell of a ride. Yeah, one hell of a life, yeah. And still alive. <laughs> That's amazing. Somehow. Yeah. Now, listen, uh, I just so- mentioned... I'm sorry, Peter. I just mentioned Malloy. Uh, you were really pro Kenny Anderson. He's been on my show a lot, and he's spoken so highly of you. Were you such a big fan of his and because of the Malloy thing, or was he that special of a basketball player? Well, he was, we know he was special as a player. Um, should have started all four years. Of, you know, Jack Curran didn't want to give him a big head because, <laughs> because he didn't want two people on the team having such big heads, the coach and the player. But but um, he called me up when uh, Kenny was a freshman, and uh, he said, Peter, I have a, a kid on this team here. He says, uh, he's the player you always wanted to be. <laughs> and is, is that, that true? Was, well, you know, yeah, I would, yeah, I would like to be as good as Kenny Anderson, sure, yeah. Um, but, now, you know, very, very unkind of Coach Curran, very unchristian, you know. <laughs> now, Peter, do you still follow Malloy? Because they have two stud players right now, Moses Brown and Cole Anthony. Do you still follow the high school game, or is not as much? No, no, I don't. I knew, I knew Greg's son played for them. Um, no, no, I don't. Now, uh, are, are they doing well? Is the team doing well? They're okay, but the kid Moses Brown, he's a special, special player. No, I don't, I don't even know about him. What year is he in? He's a senior, and he was like a t- – I think he's ESPN's like 13th overall. He just signed a letter to go to UCLA. Wow. Yeah, he, yeah. He's going to UCLA? Unbel- and they wow. say he's already going to be a, a one-and-done guy. How big is he? I think he's 6'10". Malloy has a guy 6'10"? 6'10". Peter Bessie, come on. You got to get back into business. Moses Brown is a special no, player. No, I, no, I don't. <laughs> 
No, I don't. When I, when I was uh, when I was at Malloy, we were recruiting a guy who was pretty tall. Um, I was a senior. He was in the eighth grade, and uh, his name was Lou Alcindor. And he, he came he came to the gym. I remember him coming into the gym. Our, our center was six three. A guy named Bobby Koff, and okay. uh, he he walked into the gym with his team, and we're like gawking at him. I said, this guy is going to come from the Lord. They were giving out scholarships then. And uh, the word is, I don't. I never really got if this is true or not true, but Jack Curran lived up where Lou Alcindor lived, uh, you know, up, upper Manhattan. And uh, I think I think Curran might have lived in, in, I don't know, he lived close by. And the word was that, uh, you know, he would have wanted Jack to drive him to school and back every day. Okay. And Jack said, not happening. Oh, come on, Jack so he, Curry. What's going on? So he went, so he went to power. Oh boy. Curry had a couple of those, Curry had a couple of those uh, things happen to him. He was going to be the coach to replace Bob Cousy at Boston college. Okay. And, you know, Jack was never married, and he lived with his mother. He took care of his mother, you know, a very saintly thing to do. And she got sick, and he turned down the job at the last wow. minute. And can you tell me who took his place? No, tell me. Chuck Daly. Oh, really? So Carl might have transitioned that all the way to the Pistons job if he, was, uh, if he went the same route as Chuck Daly. So, so how about that though? So Chuck Daly wound up where he wound up, and you know Jack Curran never, never tried to get into college, never tried to get a college job again after that. Kind of interesting. That's weird. Right? Yeah, it is, and like that always reminded me of Bob Hurley at St. Anthony's. Why he never went either the St. John's route or any other route besides staying at St. Anthony's. Did it ever surprise you? Yeah, he could have gone wherever he wanted, I think. But he's very dedicated to the kids. And let's face it, uh, without him, how long would that program have lasted? How many, how good would it have been? How many kids would have, you know, gone on to be stars in college and the pros? Um, you know, he's, he he uh, is in the Hall of Fame, well deserved, and he's probably in every Hall of Fame that there is in basketball. And uh, you know, both his kids became coaches uh, after becoming, you know, good players. Yeah, Bobby Hurley, a great player in college. But oh, uh, awesome yeah. at Duke, of course. So what? So, so what? We're going to talk about high schools, huh? No, 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 no. Peter Bessie, no. Listen, before you came, one of the most prominent writers in the game. I read you did a lot of hanging around, coaching, and playing at the famed Rucker Park. I grew up in New York City. Tell me about those times at Rucker Park. I didn't do a lot of hanging around. I, you know, I was, I was <laughs> coaching up there, and I played up there. I had my team. I, I organized the team in 1971, um, mostly of pros. I was covering the Nets for the Daily News back then, and uh, Roy Bow, the owner of the Nets, gave me the entry entry fee, which you know I think might have been $200 at the time, big money in those days, maybe 400 And... Uh, that got us in, and I had a lot of nets on my team. You know, Billy Paul, Ollie Taylor, Joe Dupree, uh, Jimmy Ard, and uh, and I had you know a guy named Julius Irving. So we were we were pretty good, and and Charlie Scott was on my team too. Do you know who he is? I do not. 
so you're so young uh, and I'm, so I'm not, pretty young. Not, <laughs> a histor- not a historian at all. But uh, Charlie Scott was one of the one of the greatest scorers in ABA history. Won the won the uh, championship his I believe his second year in the ABA, and then he jumped to the Phoenix Suns, and then he went to the Celtics. He won a championship with the Celtics. Um, great six six guard from New York City. Um, played at uh, Brooklyn Tech, and then went down to to play junior college before going to North Carolina. And you ready for this? I am. He, he was the first black athlete in North Carolina history in 1966. Peter, you're that? a walking encyclopedia. You're a walking encyclopedia of basketball. You really are. Well, some of those things you don't forget. Those guys played for me, and we had a we had a great time. We had a great team, um, great competition, great stories. Uh, you know, probably the best times of my life were spent. In basketball, up in up at Rucker, hanging out on the weekends. Oh, was I hanging out? No, I hope I not. You told me you weren't. <laughs> That's right. I was coaching and playing, and then at nights I might have been hanging out. So I tell everybody, you know, those were the days. Those were the days, mm-hmm. and the nights weren't too shabby either. I have a question. I always want to ask you. You started covering basketball in the early seventies, and you were active like such a voice until a couple of years ago. The game has changed like a ton. Did you ever get bored of the game or frustrated with all the change? Because you saw the change from the seventies till now. Yeah, I don't know. Bored is the right word. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly like what's happened to the game. I don't. I don't particularly like you know the that they opened it up the way they did. You know, the rules allowed cut down on the defense and uh, and play and, and, and coaches. And, and coaches trying to, uh, you know, show everybody what geniuses they are by double teaming everybody with the ball and then having, you know, three pointers galore. You know, I'm an ABA guy, but, you know, uh, in talking to some of the best ABA shooters of all time, they make, they, they emphasize that they only took four or five a game. These guys take four or five a quarter. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, take it fifty a game. The team it's like, nah, I, I don't, I don't like it at all, and I don't like the fact that uh, you know there's uh, a lot of driving to the hoop and kicking out for threes when you could have had an easy layup. I see that a lot. So, no, I am turned off by the game in many respects, but at the same time, the talent is outrageous, and uh, the shooting is better than than it was, you know, back in my day by far. And um, so, you know, I, I respect the skills, respect the uh, the handles, the you know, guys that be able to use both hands going to the hoop, um, you know, things they can do with the ball, Euro step, all that stuff. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Now, I love having, like, veteran reporters on talking about the, you know, we'll say the quote-unquote good old days when the reporters hung out with the players. And you traveled, you hung out with Bird and Walton, what gave you such integrity that you didn't tell the stories that you saw? Because you saw other stuff. You just reported the game. What gave you the integrity not to be like, oh, I saw this player drunk with these two girls? Like, why was it different yeah. back then? How do, you, how do you know I did? Well, you hung out with all these the Celtics. Come on, Peter Vesey, let's go. How do you know I printed what I knew? How do you know I had the integrity? You don't know. Well, I don't know because – 
Well, you know what? Because it seems now like that everyone wants to just get yeah, but, the clickbait. Yeah. Yeah, but you don't know. What I'm saying is you don't you don't know what I didn't print. You know, no, I'm just many, assuming many, many that you things, traveled. Well, many, many mm-hmm. things I didn't print because I figured I figured, look, once once the game is over and I'm out mm-hmm. hanging with the players, you know, it's off the record. And I told I used to tell the players, Don't be writing about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be telling people what I'm doing. You know? When did that? Because so, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm always curious about this zero. I compromise myself. Yeah, and there's, there's zero access now to reporters and stuff. When did that all change? Is that all change with the 24-7 social media? I'd rather get a picture of this player drinking than talking about the game. Is that when all the access basically closed down? Look, I don't, I don't know exactly when it changed. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as that's concerned, social media is certainly dangerous. Guys with people with phones, you know, you really got to be careful what you say, what you do. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully you're doing the right thing, and you don't have to worry about it. But still, you know, you can be, you can be made to look stupid, and and people are every day what they tweet stuff. Uh, but I, I think, I think. It changed a lot changed as far as hanging out with the players and uh uh accessibility became you know basically uh you know not, nil compared to the accessibility i had um was charter planes when they when they started chartering planes we were out and mm-hmm. um you know it was uh I hated it. The Bulls, the Bulls and the Pistons were the first ones to, to start that. And, um, yeah, that was the end of me. That was the end of everybody. And then, you know, and then you weren't allowed, you know, in those days when I was traveling, they, uh, you would stay in the same hotel. You would go, you would go on commercial flights with the players. You would go on the team bus. Um, they would, they, the team would arrange everything you know, your, your your life was so easy. When I traveled with the, with the Celtics in '86, I, I remember that um, the trainer for the uh, for the Celtics he'd be taking stuff, you know, your bags included, you know, from the plane to the bus, take them off the bus, put them in the hotel, and I always made a point to help. And I and I remember there there were writers that would stand there and and uh, and not. And not help at all. Just like no, let him no, let him do it. And they would tip. They would tip the people. For, you know, they would they would do everything for you. It was what a life. And of course, this is this is the this is the life that the players have today. And they have the charters, and that's even you know amped up a million times. And they have five star hotels. Well, you know, we didn't stay in the greatest hotels back then, but um, you know they 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 were better than the uh, the four floor walk up that I was living in. It was like five star living for you back then, right? Say that again. I said it was five star living. You, you had the the fourth yeah. floor walk up. <laughs> hey, I have one question about your uh, your column because it's not like now where you can just read a column from every paper. I your appointment reading. That's what I said. How did you get the column, and how did you get it to be like two, three times a week? And you were the voice. How did that happen? The whole column thing with you, super short. It uh, first of all wasn't hoop du jour until much later, but um, oh, okay. you know, I, I got the column as uh, a 
friend of mine, a friend who I, who I broke in at the Daily News, his name is Jerry Lisker. And um, Jerry left the news and he went to work for, for Rupert Murdoch. Uh, you know, he had one of those, uh, oh man, I forget the name of it right off the top of my head, but it was kind of like the Philadelphia Inquirer type thing. And um, and I and I would write some freelance, you know, under under another name, uh, do NBA stuff, and um, and then and then when Murdoch bought the Post, he hired Jerry Lisker as the sports editor, and Jerry Lisker hired me. That I was his first hire, and he hired me to uh, to cover the NBA. At that time, you know, I was covering. Um, actually, I was in between covering the Knicks. And um, he just gave me this column. I was the first national NBA column. And the second column, the second specialized column in, in, in the United States. There was only one guy that was before me, and uh, that was Peter Gammons, who had baseball up at up the Globe, Boston Globe. And he started doing it about six months before I started doing the NBA. So that's how I got the column. And um, there was no... There were no ground rules. There were no nothing to, you know, to uh, say, hey, let's let's do it the way they did it before, or you know, look at the way this guy's doing it over there. No, it was like, here's the column. You've got three columns a week. Fill the space and do what you want. And and I was allowed to do what I wanted, and I was able to go where I wanted to go. And uh, the freedom lasted a long, long time. Um, when it stopped, when I stopped having that freedom, that's when I retired. You act, you just mentioned the Knicks. You said between Knicks and Nets. The Knicks are right now. Are there any hope for my Knicks? I've been holding out now for 20 years. Any hope for my Knicks? Well, well you're asking me the impossible question. Look, <laughs> no, I mean, really, come on. In basketball, it's, uh, it takes one or two players, and you're back, you're back you know, uh, you know in, in, in the highlight again. So high life again. So uh, they had Przingis, you know. They they they, they should have they should have done more with their money than Phil Jackson and what he did with it by you know doling it out to uh, Joaquin Noah and and uh, and others. But um, and then this new regime came in and gave you know Hardaway a huge contract. Now Przingis is hurt. What are you going to do? But uh, you know I think I think that they they made it like you know I don't know. Do you subscribe to Patreon? You probably don't, right? Well, that was my but next I, thing. I, I I was going to tell you. I just saw that you tweeted. I'm going to subscribe to it. That's your new like venture. And you mentioned on it. What, what was it? Hope for the Knicks. What was your? Uh, what's the thing about the Knicks today on Patreon? Well, you know, I first of all, I've been doing. I've been doing it since since the summer. So you're 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 a little late. But but I I uh, you know I did I did a whole thing I did a whole thing on. Uh, on, on uh, the, you know the, the trade they made, I thought it was an excellent trade. Um, mm-hmm. You know, people that I spoke to, I, I really I don't speak to that many people anymore because I just don't have the time or the inclination to to do it on a regular basis. But when something happens, I try to reach out and find out what's going on. And supposedly, uh, you know, Moudier, how do you pronounce his name? Moudier. 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 Supposedly Moudier and and uh, the coach of Denver. You know. Uh, Mike Malone didn't get along. So, you know, and then, you know, Mike, Mike, any, most coaches kind of control the media. And uh, so I guess the media was on him. He stopped talking to the media, which to me is always in, in, in the benefit of, of the guy who stops talking to the media because I don't like talking to the media. 
So, so uh, you know, but everybody told me that I spoke to that this kid can play. He's got talent. And, uh, look, I did watch the first game. Kid is really good. And yeah, that's right. Denver. I've seen him with Denver, you know, and they, they talked about not having a shot. He's, he shot his decent from outside. And, you know, boy, oh, boy, I mean, talk about an athlete, guy that can get into the middle and, and create stuff. And he's very cool. Um, he's very tough, strong. Come on. They made, they made themselves a great – it was a no-brainer deal. It was a no-risk, high-reward trade. And uh, so – Again, you get a guy like that, you know, if this kid Frank, whatever his name is, can't can't do it, and maybe they can mm-hmm. play together, maybe they can, you know, be a factor together, <clears throat> then then you really got something going. But um, and then you gotta, you know, then you gotta try to find a small forward. <laughs> and we'll get a nice high draft pick, and hopefully uh, get the ball rolling here. Yeah, you got to get a better player than Brazingis to be your leader. He's just mm-hmm. he's just not not the leader guy that they need. He, he thinks he is. He thinks he's better than he is. Uh, but every time every time that uh, every time that a coach pays attention to him and sets up a defense to stop him, he's been basically stopped. Look at what Boston does did to him every time that, that they played against him. Brad Stevens figured him out right from the get go. So they got to they got to get better than Przingis, and they're going to have draft picks. Could have a real good draft pick. So you know, it's up to up to the new GM and, and uh, the president to, to find somebody you know really good. Okay, and, so I have your point. Go on. No, no, I'm listening. Obviously, I'd rather hear you. I'm listening. No, no, I got, I got nothing. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I only have you. I know I only have you a couple more minutes. I'm trying to drive now and, and pay attention. Okay, I got you for a couple more minutes, so I'm going to hit you with a few questions. Youngest player right now that excites you the most to watch? Uh, youngest player. I don't really pay attention to age, but uh, I guess the Greek freak is, uh, you know, must, must be real yes. young, and and he's, uh, you know, he's he's pretty unbelievable. But but you know, not not great enough yet to carry a team to uh, to someplace worthwhile. You know, he better hope that, uh, you know, that they put better players around him. He's got a few around them, but, you know, they, they, they're definitely more advanced than the Knicks are. Um, but, yeah, no, he, he's, he's excellent. Um, you know, I, I, I love Simmons on, on Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, I love him deep. Um, you know, I have to, have to think about all the young guys, but, uh, who else? I, well, how about the kid on on Utah, which is the Knicks? Oh, Knicks Donovan Mitchell. Have. Yeah, Donovan yeah, I mean, Mitchell. That's, that's like that's disgusting to watch yeah. him. Oh. And you think I... the Knicks could have had him? Oh my God, that's <laughs> that's as bad as the Knicks not having the chance to draft uh, Curry. You know, they were yeah. one pick removed, but here yeah. the Knicks had a chance to get Mitchell. So and and thought and thought about it that, that he was a strong consideration. I'd like to know what turned them off. Is it? I mean, he is six three supposedly. I mean, he's a shooting guard, but he, he can also handle. He's also an assist guy. It's like, whoa, boy, he's he's great to watch. Yeah. Okay. Next question. One player 
you thought was going to be special, like a real special player, but for one reason or another, it didn't pan out for that player? Jeez. I don't know. Nobody, nobody comes to me making me think too much. <laughs> Next year, LeBron James will be playing Walter, for Walter, who? Walter Berry. Walter Berry. Whatever happened, you know. Why didn't he make? <laughs> you know, you Next, know who he is. Yeah. Walter who? What exactly? Okay, go on. No, no, no. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> Next year, you, you, you're big. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm a big what? Well, no, Walter Perry was he an ABA guy? No, Walter Berry played with played with Chris Mullen at St. John's. He was a oh Trailblazers, right? On, yeah, he was drafted by them, and he only lasted. A, I mean, he went to the Spurs, I think, and then he went overseas. But very strange why he didn't make it. Um, but the, you know, they, look, there there are better examples than that. But I, I'm not going to be able to come up with it off the top of my head. Next year, LeBron James will be playing for who? Lakers. Ooh, okay. Biggest story you ever broke? Um, probably the uh, Latrell Sprewell choking Carlissimo. Best nickname you ever dished out? Uh, Larry Legend. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. How about the coolest person in your phone that if you texted or called them, they would get right back to you? Um, I don't want to say because I might reveal sources, but you know, just think about uh, <laughs> David Stern. David Stern. <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. Are you kidding me? Okay. No. How about this best Rucker Park player that you ever seen play? Well, I mean, other than the fact that Julius Irving was, um, I'll say I think your answer, your question should be the best street street guy I ever saw play. Who didn't play the NBA, and that and that would be Pee Wee Kirkland and Joe Hammond, and um, they were they were phenomenal. I love reading the stories about Earl the Goat and uh, Sweepy Daniels comes on my show bunch, and he always talks about Joe Hammond, uh, the helicopter, and Pee Wee Kirkland. I think the Bulls offered him a contract, and yeah, Kawhi Williams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they, they, you know, you know, and this, yeah. You know, Daniels is too young to know anything about the helicopter and the old manigolds. I mean, he only knows what he read or, or saw on TV or saw in the movies and stuff like that. He, he doesn't know. And he didn't, he didn't see Pee Wee and he didn't see, you know, Cameron. They were, they were long gone before he ever, uh, before he ever came around. But, you know, Pee Wee Kirkland, the fact is, I, you know, I had somebody, I, I was standing with some guy, I'm not going to say who he is, uh, but his but his son is uh, Wally Serviak, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so we're we're at the 50th anniversary of Rucka, and uh, Walter Serviak and I, and we're saying he played for me with Julius, and uh, he he's telling Pee Wee Kirkland how great he was. Oh boy, you were the greatest. In fact. In my estimation, you were better than Tiny Archibald. No. And I, and I said, Walter, first of all, you never saw Pee Wee Kirkland play because you, were, you didn't come to my team until the following year, and Pee Wee was already in jail doing hard time. So that's number one. And number two, how you could ever 
ever say that Pee Wee Kirkland was better than Tiny Archibald, player in the history of the NBA, to lead the league in scoring and assists in the same year. I said, don't ever talk to me again. I've never spoken to him since. <laughs> what hey, it Peter, is. Before, before we go, tell me, tell everybody about Patreon and what you're doing with it. I know it's I'm, I'm late in the game, but tell everybody about it. You know what? I'm not going to tell you about it because the truth is I'm, I'm getting ready to pack it in with that. The, the, the response has not been what I wanted. It's been okay. too difficult for me. And, uh, you know, I've done it about six months, and I'm really, I'm really, I mean, I might not pack it in this month, but I really might pack it in. So I'm not even going to lead anybody astray. So if they're interested, let them look it up. <laughs> well, everyone, everyone should follow you on Twitter because you're one of the best followers on Twitter. And my last question to you is, why did it take Well, you know what, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell yes. you something. When I, when yes, I yes, quit yes. Patreon, when I quit Patreon, I'm quitting Twitter too because I resent the fact that I have, you know, 31,000 followers or something. And, you know, they all, oh, boy, they love my stuff on Twitter for free. But they're not going to pay $5 a month for for five or six columns. They're not going to get me for free once I stop. I was just going to say, Peter Vesey won on Twitter, 36,000 followers on Twitter. Yeah, 36,000, yeah. And, and I have and I have like 250 people on Patreon paying five freaking dollars a month. My last qu- my last question to you is: Why did it take you yeah. six years to respond to Magic Johnson's tweet? No, you have it wrong. You know, people are so what? stupid. No. You know, really. <laughs> you know, I didn't respond five years later. I responded at the time, at the time, and then. And then when I wrote with with the uh, with Paul wow. George, which turned out to be true, then people started putting that tweet up, his his tweet oh, about me. Oh wow! So they brought it back, and I said, "You people are such assholes." You know, I said, "What do you think? I'm not gonna, you know, you want to do it again? I'll do it again. You know, here's the tweet again." So, oh my God! It's you know what, Peter? That's, Twitter is dangerous for that because people yeah, people are so stupid. You know, real quick with that, it didn't make sense because you go out everyone with Twitter, and it didn't make sense why you wait five years and be that petty over it. You, yeah, that was ridiculous. Oh, by the way, I just looked it up. Moses Brown, seven foot one, five star recruit, ranked eleventh in the country. And how can Malloy not be one of the best teams with him and Anthony? Can they not be? I don't know. I don't know, but the yeah, kid probably, just came in to UCLA. probably the yeah. coach. Coach, coach. <laughs> that's probably, probably it. Peter Vesti, <laughs> thank you for driving and answering my questions. And I really do mean it. It was an honor speaking to you, my friend. All right. Thanks for having me on. You take care. Thanks, Peter. Talk to you later. The great Peter Vesti. <laughs> he cracked me up. Um, the, the audio quality isn't always great, the show. That's why I always prefer doing it from Dempsey's. Uh, Peter and I actually have a pretty long relationship. We've hung out, oh my God, 20, 30 times. And I always find it weird to interview certain people that I know very well. Uh, we're talking over each other and I have to try to act like, hey, so you went to Archbishop. You had a good ride, didn't you, Peter? It's like, I know that because we spoke about this that 15, 20 times we hung out in person. So you always thought Kendi Anderson was good? But you know what? I never really asked him to come on the podcast because 
I don't know. I guess I feel like when we became friends with them, I feel weird. Like, hey, can you call into my show? So hopefully this I think Peter's getting a little old, uh, couldn't, um, couldn't hear all my questions. Anyway, uh, Peter Vesey is always a good listen. Follow him on Twitter, at Peter Vesey1. Should I give out his phone number? 919. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. Subscribe to the podcast, at Mike Staffo. Thank you.